Hey friends, this is Sugbury on Women's Hot Topics. You guys, I am so excited about our topic for today. You know, have you ever heard of the word influencers? Influencers in your life, in your kids' lives. You know, if you're a parent um, of a teenager, even a toddler, doesn't matter, a grandparent, a teacher, or if you mentor a teen in one way or not, maybe it's through church or your neighbor, or have a friendship with a teen anywhere, this is the show for you. Basically, everybody needs to hear this show. We're gonna dig into the topic on influencers. Now that's kind of a today term. It wasn't something that we had used a while back, but who influences your kids? Think about that for a minute. How do we rise above the fear to be our kids' influencers. Maybe we just can't connect with them. Maybe there's a block there, there's a wall. Oh my gosh, you know, if you're a parent and you say, no, I get along great with my kids, we have perfect communication. You're lying, you need to listen to this show because there's all different areas that we need to work on with our kids and why not get all the more educated since God blessed us to have kids in our lives. Let's do our best that we can to glorify him in and through raising them. So how do we rise above the fear to become our kids' influencers instead of the world? I want to welcome Evan Barber with Access. Welcome, Evan, for coming on. Hi. Thanks, Shug. Thanks for having me. You know, I'm so glad that you're on with us. Since 2007, Access has helped hundreds of thousands of parents navigate conversations with their teens, creating resources to help bridge the gap between the generations. Evan leads a team of gospel-minded researchers, writers, speakers, and content creators, leveraging pop culture to help parents show teens how faith is relevant to every aspect of their lives. He has traveled with Access Live Teams, and that's spelled A-X-I-S, talking with Gen Z directly about worldview and pop culture before becoming a curriculum writer and producer for content on mental health, that's an important topic, relationships, mm-hmm, social media, and spiritual formation. He is now the head of the content department. So I think we asked the right guy to come on to talk about <laughs> what influences our kids. Again, Evan, thank you for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's great to be here today. Well, ladies, today I'm just going to explain a little bit about what Access is with Evan, and then I'm going to get into the meat of some really good starter conversations with your kids, topics that you and I are thinking about today that aren't necessarily being addressed. So please listen in. Um, Evan, explain to us what Access is and how did it get started? Yeah, so at Access, we, along the lines of what you were saying, um, translate pop culture to help parents and other caring adults understand and disciple their teenagers. Um, we started initially as a worldview ministry, um, helping teens see that the entertainment they were consuming or participating in or interested in was often the expression or the manifestation of some very particular worldview, you know, whether that's postmodernism or secularism or, or whatever. So, okay, now you got to break it down for the idiots like myself. Who need to, <laughs> I mean, what are you talking about? <laughs> I need sure, to understand sure. what that means. Yeah. So, a lot of the most popular, we'll just take music um, mm -hmm. as an example, a lot of the most popular songs we would argue tend to kind of assume a sort of well there's probably no god and maybe no, not really any purpose so let's just have as much fun as we possibly can 
here in the moment. So kind of mm -hmm. secular assumptions um, where the meaning of life is basically about maximizing our own pleasure and our own satisfaction. Yeah, that's the whole world today. <laughs> right, right. So we did a lot of presentations um, talking about pop culture and talking about um, these kinds of deeper questions around worldview with the, the next generation. But then over time, we realized that the parents and the caring adults who were on the ground with teens in those various places were going to be in a much more strategic position to make a lasting impact on the next generation. So we, we changed our emphasis um, toward equipping parents um, and, and other caring adults. We started releasing digital resources that are designed to help equip parents and caring adults to keep up with and disciple the next generation. Um, we now have hundreds of written audio and video resources designed to help do just that. And where um, can they find those? Where can they find those? Um, our, our website access.org is uh, going to be the, the place for all of that. We have several um, podcasts as well that I'm, I'm happy to plug here in a bit um, or right now, if you'd like me to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. Well, so we have uh, a couple. One of them is called the Culture Translator, which um, is based off of the newsletter that we produce every Friday. Each week, our team researches whatever is going on in pop culture and in teen culture. And then we kind of compile that and do a top three for our newsletter each week. We talk about what's happening, whether it's with some social media influencer or um, musician or TV show or just general trend or whatever it is. Um, talk about what's especially popular each week. We do what we call the, the translation section, which is kind of like, how do we think about what's going on here in pop culture and in teen culture from a biblical point of view? Sure. Um, and then we provide conversation starters for um, parents to just kind of get the conversation going about whatever the topic is that we are um, covering that week. And so the podcast is an audio version of that. There's um, the Friday feature where we just kind of read the newsletter. And then there is the um, Monday feature, which we call the roundtable, where we go deeper into context and, and nuance around all of that. Um, and then we have another new interview-based podcast called The One Conversation, where we're interviewing experts on parenting, theology, culture, technology, and things like that. Um, and actually, that's a, a great segue into something that we like to talk a lot about at Axis, if you don't mind if I just keep rolling. Please do. Um, our primary goal as an organization today is to help parents and caring adults have what we call the one conversation with the teens in their lives. Um, the, the idea of the one conversation was born out of a story. There was a young lady named April who said to us, I've only ever had one real conversation with my dad. And when she said that, you know, we were kind of, kind of shocked, kind of discouraged. I mean, you know, every day our culture is initiating thousands of conversations 
with the next generation. I mean, between social media apps, movies, music, TV shows, et cetera, et cetera. But then April um, smiled and she said again, I've only ever had one real conversation with my dad and we've never stopped having that one conversation. And so we realized as an organization, that's what we get to do. We get to help parents and caring adults have one conversation that lasts a lifetime with their teens. You know, I love that. And I went on your website, I feel like a stalker, and I clicked <laughs> on almost everything you guys had on there. And friends, you know, from a woman <laughs> from a different generation, I have no idea what some of these terms mean. Gaming, vaping, TikTok, you know, uh, LGBTQ+, plus, you know, et cetera. But this website really was helpful and it really broke it down in such a simplified way, not simple, but a simplified way where it was easy to understand as a parent, a grandparent, um, as someone who has a team that they love. And I really encourage you guys to go to access.org and check it out. Just click on some of the things, see what they have to offer. And I loved the one conversation that you were talking about, Evan, that there's a conversation that starts really day one um, for those of you who maybe even be just pregnant and finding out about this. And it's the same conversation that you can carry all the way through their lives. Mm. And, you know, I got kids in their thirties, almost 40, find that hard to believe. Uh, but that's what access is all about. So I love that. Mm. And with that in mind, Evan, you know, we talk about conversations and whether you're a parent of a teen already or you've got a young child, you can start this conversation at any time. What is a starting point and what is the conversation you're talking about? Hmm. So, so you're kind of asking um, what's the best way to start the one conversation? Is, mm -hmm. is that? And it, yeah. what is the one conversation? Yeah. So, so the one conversation is this idea um, let me use a, a quote to help illustrate it. Um, part of the theory behind the one conversation is that it is an interaction that is ongoing, that is totally different from the idea that we need to have the sex talk, the gender talk, the mental health talk, the police talk, what, whatever it is, where it's kind of like, almost like, checking pre-planned lectures off a list. The idea with the one conversation is it's ongoing. Um, it's never ending. And part of what that means is that parents don't have just one con one opportunity to get the conversation right. Um, there's a, a quote that I love from a, a woman named Dr. Tina Shermer Sellers. Um, she says about um, the sex talk as just one example. Children and adolescents do not need one 100-minute awkward and painful sexual health conversation. They need 100 one-minute conversations. They need sexual and relational education delivered in many, many sound bites weekly across their entire childhood and teen years. So, so again, it, it's kind of this idea of always being open to continuing the conversation. I think to answer your question of where do you start, I think the place that you start is with whatever your teen or your preteen or whatever age this kid is, start with whatever they care about. Start with the musicians that they 
are already interested in. Start with the the TV shows that they find compelling or the video games or or whatever it is. A big part of this whole theory is it's leveraging wherever they're at and listening well and seeing where the conversation goes. And it's so interesting how when we feel like someone cares about what we care about, our defensiveness tends to lower. Um, we tend to be more open to maybe hearing what the other person cares about. And I think the rising generation is no exception. So it's, um, it's hard to give kind of a, a one size fits all answer in terms of where to start this, this one conversation. Um, but I think that's, that's part of the point is it's this idea of we're going to have a, a continuing lifelong open interaction where I'm paying attention to what you're interested in. And through that process, um, doors open for all kinds of topics. You know, I love that. That, yeah. that answers my question. And, you know, Great. I really enjoy the fact that uh, that snippet, that there's snippets of conversations, that it's, um, you know, not that, that one big hundred minute conversation, uh, but that you carry on this conversation throughout their life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, starting early, I'm sure is the key to all this. But what if a parent mm -hmm. has a teenager already? And they're at their wits end and they're like, yeah, I didn't start this conversation when they were young. You know, I was raised on the 100 minute one yeah. uh, and then, you know, done, check it off the list. We've already had that conversation in that category. Sure, sure. Um, but when they sit down with their child and, and their teen and that teen wants nothing to do with them, mm. what mm -hmm. do you suggest? What are some coaching tips? Yeah. So how do you... Um maintain it or develop a, a positive um yeah yeah like they're gaming let's say they're gaming and they sit down on the sofa next to them and they look at them like mom what are you doing sitting here yeah you know, yeah how yeah do you build on that definitely um well let me say first off to the mom who who does sit down and is trying to figure out what's so compelling about this game i think that's awesome the interaction may not start with total warmth but i i mean i can remember when i was a kid um i played a lot of video games and one of the things i wanted more than anything was for my dad to watch me play halo and um to demonstrate an interest in what i was interested in and again not not all teens are going to be exactly that way um but I, I think that for a lot of them, um, if we can try to see why they care about what they care about, I think that that really does a lot to soften um, their, their, their disposition toward parents and caring adults. And I think part of this, you, you kind of alluded to this, um, but it's, it's realizing, you know, the parent if they have a teen and and they don't have the relationship that they they want i think part of it is just again recognizing that they're they're not starting an interaction with them they're continuing something that started many years ago right so i think if if there are walls built up one of the key questions 
might be, okay, has this relationship always been rocky? Or was there a particular point when um, things started to change? Was there maybe some moment when uh, a teen tried to open up about something and got shut down? Um, Maybe it wasn't even a direct conversation with them, but, but maybe did they hear parents um, saying about someone else, you know, I can't believe somebody would ever struggle with that. Um, you know, those kinds of remarks, I think, can sometimes um, code someone as as not being safe. Mm-hmm. But but again, I think there's there's so much power in um, trying to enter into a teen's world. Um, this this might be a little bit of a detour, but I I'd love to to talk a a little Please. bit. I was I was just in Guatemala, um, and I was visiting an orphanage with uh, my church, a place that we partner with. And I think I was thinking some parents will have adopted kids who had foundations laid in them that were outside of their control. Um, there were kids at this orphanage in Guatemala who had been rescued out of all kinds of horrible situations trafficking situations, abusive situations, situations of abandonment, that kind of thing. And these kids show up and they have no reason to trust adults at all. But over time, through prayer and through the the relentless pouring in of unconditional love that was happening at this, this orphanage, these kids are transformed. Every day when we showed up on the bus, they all rushed to greet us and give us hugs and to speak to us in Spanish. And some of us spoke a little bit, so it wasn't always easy to keep up with that. Um, but it was because God was, was changing and was healing their hearts. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it definitely takes time, but I think, I think parents have the opportunity to model God's relentless, unconditional love and pursuit of us mm-hmm. in how we interact with our kids and with the next generation. You know, I think you just hit it right on the head. I mean, the main thing, friends, is prayer. He who started it with prayer, give it to God. You know, what is prayer? Prayer is just talking to God. You know, it doesn't have to be big old fancy words. It's God, I need help. I need you to help me have this relationship with my child. Maybe I'm starting a little late, but it's not too late. Mm. And so Father God, give me the words. Holy Spirit, work through me so they can see my love. And I think that's the other thing, friends, too, is um, we're going to get to this question down the road, but we're going to be talking about, um, you know, the gospel, which this is all about, you know, the love of Christ. But, you know, don't hammer your kids over the head right away. I mean, build a relationship, model what they're supposed to be seeing. Hmm. Uh, Take it from School of Hard Knocks here at my age. Um, Been there, done that. And I can't tell you enough how I wish I had this information under my belt when I was a young mom. Um, You know, when kids are in school and they're teenagers, some of the biggest frustrations I hear from other moms and dads are the one word answers. Mm. Hey, honey, how's school? Fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, What'd you do today? Nothing. I mean, you know, and they clearly are making it (laughs) where you don't want uh, to have a communication there. But Mm. your website at access.org, Evan, is so helpful. And friends, um, I really encourage you to go to it. 
If you forget the name, go to our website, him for her, H-I-M number for her.org. Um, and we will have their logo right there. You just click on the logo. It's going to take you right there. They have tips and suggestions and newsletters um, on the one conversation. Um, mm -hmm. So what is the best place, mm -hmm. Evan, that you can think of to have a conversation with your kids? Yeah, uh, I, I love that question because it's very practical. Um, one of the things that I have seen and one of the first things I think of is anytime you can sit side by side or be doing something else like maybe washing dishes so that the conversation almost feels a little bit like a casual add-on, that's often going to be a, a recipe for success. So when you're both um, in the front seat of the car and you're both kind of aiming forward, that can kind of eliminate the, the awkward energy that can come from sitting across the table from your kid face to face. Um, and it can enable conversation in a way that um, is, it, it, it feels less confrontational. Um, and the, the confrontational dimension of, of this, um, for, for listeners, I'm pointing my fingers at each other, um, that can lead to more defensiveness. Um, I think about, there's a passage in Deuteronomy 6, where it says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. In other words, when you're at home, talk. When you're on the go, talk. Whatever else you're doing, build conversation into it. That's one of that. the things that I would say about that. You know, for you moms and dads, I heard most of the information about my kids' lives when I was driving them to and from soccer, mm -hmm. and they're in the back seat chatting away, and they forget my mom's driving. <laughs> all of a sudden, you hear all these conversations going on. But I agree. I think it's uh, amazing. What what did you call it? The sidebar. It's the extra thing that you're doing besides a project. And I really like that too. And you know what I found with boys, and I don't know if you've seen a big difference between girls and boys, Evan, mm -hmm. but with boys. I find, you know, girls can get into a conversation relatively easy, mm -hmm. but with boys, it's almost time spent with them. Mm. Uh, takes them a little bit. And then all of a sudden he, he would open up and just, there'd be all sorts of information, but you could never get him to talk right away. Do, would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that the, um, I, I would say that the things I just talked about are probably especially relevant for uh, boys, um, definitely for girls as well. Um, but boys for sure. There is an organization here in Colorado Springs um, that talks about um, manhood and womanhood. And they kind of lay out this three-part trajectory for interacting with um, young men and young women. And they kind of uh, facilitate events for commemorating a boy's step into manhood or um, a girl's step into womanhood, that kind of thing. So it's, it's an organization designed to help make that transition significant and memorable and decisive. Um, they talk about for young men, it's often um, have an experience together, get to know that person's story, and then that creates an opportunity to speak blessing over their life. They talk about for young women, it's often story then experience, 
then blessing is kind of the trajectory that it goes. And I think there's built into that kind of the sense that, like you were saying, for a lot of young women, it can maybe be a little easier to get into um, a, a fairly personal story about where they're at. And again, that's mm -hmm. a generalization. I mean, yeah, there are going to be exceptions yeah. on mm -hmm. um, both sides, but yeah, I, I, I thought of that. I think you hit the key earlier when you had mentioned, hey, just the fact, mom or dad, that you're just sitting next to your kid, make it an effort, mm -hmm. especially if you prayed ahead of time for God to soften that, you know, that opportunity. Yeah. Um, I think you're already way ahead of yourselves. And, you know, this whole conversation is about influencers. Who's influencing your kids? Mm -hmm. Is it you? Is it the world? Um, you know, a, a lot of parents might be thinking, well, it's already the world. How do I take that back? Mm -hmm. um, you know, this is an upside down world where right is wrong and wrong is right. And so that's where I think the power of prayer is so important. And in Proverbs 22, 6, it says, train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old. He will not depart from it. Now, they might veer and take a left-hand turn here and there, but the goal and the hope and the prayer is, is that at, you know, at the end um, of their lives, they are still hanging on to Jesus. And so with that, how can you become an influencer with your child over what they hear in the world? And what's the best way to influence kids for Christ? Mm. Yeah, such an important question. And let me start with some encouragement. As a parent, you already are, especially when it comes to passing down your faith. Um, there's a sociologist named Christian Smith, who is kind of the foremost sociologist when it comes to passing down the faith to the next generation. Um, he, this year, published a book called Handing Down the Faith, and in it, he writes, after a ton of research and study, um, this is a quote, the good news is that among all possible influences, parents exert far and away the greatest influence on their children's religious outcomes. Stated differently, <laughs> the bad news is that nearly all responsibility for the religious trajectories of children's lives falls on their parents' shoulders. So he's just, he's drilled into the research. He's looked at all of the different places where influence can come from. And he has seen that parents have the biggest position of influence in the lives of the next generation. He also says the more important, um, he uses the word religion. We can say the more important Christianity is to parents and the more parents attend church services, the more important religion becomes for their children and the more their children attend religious services even years after they no longer live with their parents so you talked earlier um Shug, about modeling um the right kinds of um habits and um ways of thinking and ways of being and that kind of thing what he's saying is that the more parents model faith as being important to their own lives, the more likely the next generation will be to do the same. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things he talks about is, is just saying, um, actually, uh, more, more important than almost anything else is, are you talking about faith on a regular basis at home? He found that to be one of the most important things, even more important than going to 
church together as a family because church can can feel compartmentalized it's important absolutely and it's a major part of passing on um the faith to the next generation but i think when conversations about jesus are naturally emerging in the home then it starts to become much more clear to the next generation that this is something that really matters um, it really matters to my family and it should really matter um, to me yeah so I, I think that's kind of the the number one takeaway about the idea of influencing our sons and daughters when it comes to other topics like um pop culture conversations someone who is a good listener is typically going to be much more influential than someone who is only a good lecturer um, there's a book called difficult conversations that was written by three doctors named douglas stone bruce Patton, and sheila heen and in it they they have this great quote that i'd love to read um, they said Changes in attitudes and behavior rarely come about because of arguments, facts, and attempts to persuade. How often do you change your values and beliefs or whom you love or what you want in life based on something someone tells you? And how likely are you to do so when the person who is trying to change you doesn't seem to be aware of the reasons you see things differently in the first place? And I think part of the the import of that is for whatever reason when we believe that others are trying to understand our point of view our defenses usually go down and we're more willing to listen to their point of view mm -hmm. and i was kind of touching on that earlier but i think again that's that's so important one of the biggest things that parents can do to influence the next generation is to listen to them ironically and by listening they start to feel more interested in listening to us. I love that. What great advice that is. And, you know, that's just wisdom from the book of Proverbs too. Um, you know, you talk about how listening is so much more important than talking. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that the kids would fear that, feel that love coming from you um, mm -hmm. as they listen. Um, you know, kids always feel like they're missing out. I'm going to hit on just a couple of hot topics for kids. Mm. Um, you know, FOMO, uh, F-O-M-O, for some of you who don't know that, I have several friends who have FOMO, and mm -hmm. it's fear of missing out. You know, why has this become such a thing? And what tips are uh, effective for combating that in your kids? Oh, mom, I got to go to that party, or mom, I got to go to this thing. Mm. <laughs> what are some of your words of advice for those moms and dads out there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that's, that's such a, a big question. And I mean, I think FOMO affects all of our lives to a certain extent when we live in a culture that gives us so many options to choose from in everything in social gatherings in relationships and you know where we live and in all of this kind of thing and i think part of why it's become such a big issue is just because our culture is promising us basically endless opportunities for our own pleasure and gratification. And I think with all this availability, it can be easy to start to think that life is fundamentally about maximizing my own pleasure, right? And I think when we think that's what life's about, 
we can become nervous about maybe missing out an opportunity to be more satisfied or more fulfilled somewhere else, whatever that looks like. Um, I think in terms of um, combating it, um, one of the things we have to recognize is the extent to which FOMO is fed by social media. Obviously, social media didn't create FOMO. Um, we recently um, wrote a, a parent's guide to talking with teens about FOMO, and we quoted from C.S. Lewis's essay, The Inner Ring. And it was just about this fear that we will be left out of the inner circle. And obviously, C.S. Lewis was writing in an era that is was way before social media. Um, every time I take a break from social media, though, um, I imagine I'm going to wonder and worry about what I'm missing out on. But I always deal with way less FOMO when I'm taking a break. Um, you know, so many social media platforms are kind of based around helping you keep up with what you missed out on, right? And obviously, it, it's going to affect different people in different ways. But I think one of the important conversations around this is when we as parents and caring adults spend time on social media, are we allowing ourselves to be sucked into the black hole of FOMO um, mm -hmm. and working on our own healing with that? But then I think having conversations with the next generation as well, like, after you spend X amount of time on this social media app, do you feel um, encouraged afterward? Do you generally feel uplifted or do you generally feel um, depressed or discouraged or, or something like that? And I think allowing the next generation to kind of name that for themselves rather than parents and caring adults imposing that on them can be... Um, really powerful along those lines. And you know um, what I like, Evan, is on your website, um, you've got these newsletters, these tips, these suggestions, I mean, on every topic. I mean, we talk yeah. about identity, uh, identity in Christ uh, versus identity with the influencers, how to share your faith. Mm -hmm. um, you have success stories on there too about um, you know, parents and families who have come to access mm -hmm. and how that has impacted their parenting and helped uh, raise their kids. Mm -hmm. um, and so you know, to me, identity is really where all these questions I just asked, whether it be FOMO, influencers, mm -hmm. whatever, it's their identity in Christ, who mm -hmm. they are, where does your contentment come from? Does mm -hmm. it come from the world? Does it come from uh, Christ and mm -hmm. that peace? And you know, earlier, Evan, you and I talked about modeling uh, your faith in your mm -hmm. home. And I know that freaks out a lot of parents. They're like, I drop them off at church. I bring them to Sunday school. Isn't that enough? No, it's not friends. It's a relationship. Mm -hmm. It's not religion that, that the relationship is based on. It's, it's who they are in Christ yeah, and right. finding a good Bible based fun church that speaks truth into mm -hmm. your kids so that they can have a good culture influence from other kids in their same age bracket as well as parents mm -hmm. and sometimes if you can't connect real well with your kids um, a dear christian friend who might be the same age as you can come alongside and help mm. that child as well mm -hmm. but the parent is like you said the biggest influencer in their life and mm. i think if you're nervous about how do i reach out to my kids how do i allow them to find their identity in christ you know it's so simple i remember my son got off the bus once and 
he had this cute little raccoon cat I bought for him. I had, it was, had this little raccoon tail. And of course, I thought it was cute. Didn't think about the fact he'd get harassed on the bus. And mm. they threw it back and forth, back and forth on the bus. And mm. so he got off. He was crying. He was probably first, second grade. And, and he, he was so mad. I hate this hat and I'm never wearing it again. And it was just a natural time to say, let's pray for those kids that bullied you. Mm. And, and let's pray that God gives you peace. And, you know, that's how it's just easy. If you don't know what to do, just tell, okay, let's pray mm. and give it to God and allow God to uh, soothe some of those hurts. But that's what it looks like that they can actually see you praying before dinner, or they see you praying mm. for other people, mm. or you have a Bible open that they pass by in the hallway so they can see that this book is important to my family mm. um, because it's God's words itself. So, um, you know, I just think that your website and after I investigated it and spent a lot of time on it was so such a wealth of information. Hmm. Um, Axis, A-X-I-S dot org. Um, can you just share with me um, a couple of ways that we can encourage their kids uh, to share their faith? And what are some success stories you've had? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll talk about um, I'll talk about sharing faith first and then we can we can pivot into kind of some of the, um, success stories. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it can be intimidating to share faith for, um, adults, <laughs> let alone, um, you know, trying to impart that kind of confidence to the next generation to be that kind of bold, um, to, to have that kind of boldness. And I think this is maybe, even trickier of late than it has been before. Um, Barna released a study in 2019 that found that 47% of millennials saw evangelism as not just difficult, not just potentially awkward, but as actually morally wrong. So they, they believe that it was immoral to try to persuade someone of another faith of the truth of Christianity. And so I think one of the things that we have to wrestle with there and that our teens will have to wrestle with is, do we truly believe that these other people would be better off if they had a relationship with Jesus, not just in the next life, but in this life? If the answer is no, then we need to really rethink what being a Christian means to us. Um, you know, Jesus said, he came so that we could have life and have it to the full. So um, if we're unsure about that, then we should um, maybe go back to the basics. If the answer is yes, then we should wrestle with why we might feel hesitant about sharing. I think in some ways, though, having said that, um, Gen Z is going to be in a potentially a better position to share in a way that meets other teens where they're at because Gen Z is really used to growing up in a world with a lot of different ideas sitting side by side um, in their schools. Sure. But more than that on the internet, on social media, um, those platforms put all kinds of ideas and all kinds of content right next to each other. And that's just normal for the rising generation. There's a lot we could say about that, but one of the things that I think could be good about that is that Gen Z probably knows 
how to be more sensitive to other Gen Zers than older generations might. And just as a, a general point, I think personal, in, in terms of how to share, I would say personal testimony is always going to be one of the best ways to do that. Um, you know, here's where I was, then I met Jesus, here's where I am now. Um, it doesn't mean people have to pretend to be perfect, but talking about the impact that Jesus has made in our own lives is, is going to be compelling. Um, I am not a scientist, but I have heard that the, um, that stories bypass the, the, the reptilian part of the brain that feels defensive and is just watching out for threats. Something about stories kind of slips past that and they're more compelling and people want to listen to them uh, more readily. And so given that, given the fact that God seems to have designed us for storytelling in some ways, um, stories about Jesus can be that much more powerful. You know, and you're right on on that. We just had a conversation the other night with a friend who's not a believer and God bless my husband. He was pulling up a little bit of scripture and I could tell you, we're just losing the guy. Like the guy's mm. not even listening. And I said, let me tell you this super cool story. Mm. And, and then I shared about, I mean, I have seen miracles from the Lord and, mm. and then they're like, and I said, and it was in the power of the name, Jesus Christ. And then I said, honey, honey, you tell your story about mm. the heart attack and how, you know, you're healed. And it just, all of a sudden now he's thinking different and he's mm. thinking, our listener is thinking, okay, if I'm in a tough situation and I say the name Jesus Christ and believe it has power, you know, that we've done our job, we've planted that seed, but mm. you know, God makes it really clear in Mark. It says, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them for such belongs to the kingdom of God. And I think child to child I've seen, you know, we, we use the word evangelist because that's what that means to share the gospel, but it really means sharing your love that you have for Jesus and what he's done for you to another person. Hmm. And if that person is in quicksand, wouldn't you reach your hand out to pull them up hmm. and share that good news of how they can be saved? Hmm. So, you know, each kid's going to be different. Their personalities are different. God's going right. to bring them together through the Holy Spirit in a special way because of their personalities. Right. And prayer as parents, friends, is so crucial. I can't tell you enough pray, 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 pray in groups, get together with moms and dads and pray for your children specifically with different prayer requests. Um, you know, there's power in group prayer. And I think what you guys are doing, uh, Evan at access is powerful. Mm -hmm. You guys, please look them up axis.org and, um, discover what they have to offer. They have a lot of free options on there that you can take a look at. They have a membership as well, if you'd like to belong to that. Um, but please do check them out because as far as raising our kids, we have a responsibility. Um, can you share with us um, just one success story before we close of a parent maybe that needed you guys and you were there for them? Mm. Yeah, just just one is, is, uh, is tough. Um, <laughs> uh, can I share two? Yes, please do. <laughs> okay. I just didn't want to overburden you. <laughs> no, that's great. Um, so there was a, a woman named Marsha who wrote in and said, I'm not a teen parent, but I have had the, the privilege of walking alongside and building close connections with teens I've known for years. Two out of the five have made their decision to follow Jesus. Two of the remaining three are 
digging deeper into who Jesus is to them. And the last one is growing in clarity of where she stands. The biggest impact I will say is that all of them feel listened to, loved, and have a safe place to be themselves, partly because of all the knowledge I have been able to gain from your incredible wisdom. Thank you for all you do. It's making a huge difference. Um, awesome. We got a piece of feedback. Um, uh, this past week, actually, um, from a guy named Jacob. He says, my comment is that your emails are the most consistently helpful and relevant Christian worldview emails I receive. As a parent, as a pastor, and as a Christian, I would recommend them. In a world where so much Christian content either avoids the obvious and difficult or treats it with trite platitudes and superficiality, your content consistently engages at the level of real life, with today's youth and provides guidance and insight that's useful for the church. Thank you and God bless you. And again, that's not, I'm not saying that's me, that's the team here. You know, we all um, are a part of this work and um, it's, it's really great and encouraging when we get um, stories like that, that, that come back in. Well, your you, resources are amazing. And how can we be praying for you as we wrap up? Yeah, thanks, thanks for that. Um, I think I would say, pray that God um, will lead people who need help navigating culture to our resources and that through those resources, um, they would grow closer to him um, as individuals and as families. Mm. And um, pray that God would protect us and give us wisdom and discernment as we continue to dig into pop culture and teen culture for the purpose of helping to equip um, parents and caring adults to have those conversations. That's so great. Thank you again, Evan, for coming on and spending time with us. And please find access.org or go to himforher.org. Uh, we need donations, friends, because this is how we keep going and bringing these hot topics to you. And Father God, I just pray if there's somebody listening who doesn't know you, does not know the power in the name of Jesus Christ, that today would be the day that they just open their heart up and say yes to you, Lord. And may you make a huge impact in their life as they follow and that you guide them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you again, Evan, and God bless you. Please come back on again when you've got um, even more exciting new information for us. Thank you, Shug. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Evan. Take care. God bless you.